And what is going on? Welcome to the podcast, fellas. What What's up, going homie? on? <laughs> Let's start off this podcast by saying uh, happy 21st anniversary to our battle buddy, our shipmate, uh, our brother. Matt Johnson. Yeah, our brother. Our friend. Fuck him. And- uh, hero loves him. Hero loves him, but he doesn't. We're having his, I think, 21st wedding anniversary tonight. So shout out to uh, Becky and Matt, y'all. Y'all have a fun night. We'll try to hold it down without 21 you. 21 years. 21 years. Hey, so, hey, hey, what do you think What do you think they're doing tonight, Al? Oh, you know, he, hey, he's getting some of that slow head tonight. It's, it's, it's anniversary. You know, it's, it's birthday, anniversary, special occasions. I'm hoping he's getting some of that goodness. No, no, Matt, no, Matt, he's gonna go to sleep early. That motherfucker's sleeping right now. He's probably he's drinking whiskey sleep, sleep right now. Soft <laughs> ass dude, go to sleep early. But we're back, y'all. We want to get yeah, that out. If you haven't noticed, our man, Money Matt Johnson, is not with us today because he's spending <laughs> quality time with the loved one, with the wifey. Shouts out to Becky. And Matt on 21 years of love and relationship. Hey, I'm pretty sure she didn't come in his fucking sea bag. I'm just want <laughs> to be honest, okay? She was not issued to him. Hey, I'm I'm checking out backstage here. I think uh, I think we're gonna have to have to bring uh, our guest on quick. I think he's getting ready to go on stage. So <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and bring him on. So with that, hey, without further ado, uh, we want to welcome a comedian, uh, Marine veteran. Uh, a friend of the show. We met him when the the Friendly Fire comedy tour came to Houston. Very fun. So, yeah. Uh, uh, without further ado, Big Al Gonzalez. Hey, ladies, got a huge penis, ladies. Got a huge penis too. Hey, so <laughs> is that Ron Jeremy or is that is that Big Al? Oh, it's- come on now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just want to get it out. I'm not Ron Jeremy, that's for sure. Oh, okay, okay. okay. I, I I was in a stall next to you. I think you might be distant cousins, bro. <laughs> I was at the show, and somebody goes, "Is that Ron Jeremy?" And then I looked over the stall. And I go, "Nope, that's not Ron Jeremy." <laughs> it's like you son of a. Uh. <laughs> we got to watch our language here. Nobody ever told me. <laughs> no. no, 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 we're good. We're good. Just double checking. Fuck yeah. language. What? You missed my masturbation comment. What are you talking about? Like. <laughs> So what's well, the thing with the uh, real color for shirt you're always wearing? You, you always seem to wear a certain one on stage, but I see you got a different one on tonight. Yeah, well, it's it's you know the, the problem with being a big guy is uh, they don't they don't make nice <laughs> shirts for big guys. It's always like some ugly, uh, vibrant, colorful shirt. So <laughs> I figure if I'm going to wear a colorful shirt, it might as well be a very specific one. So I just picked Hawaiian shirts. I've been doing this way before I did comedy. Uh, a lot of people always try to say, ah, Fluffy does that. I go, yeah, that's because that's all they make for big guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, Hawaiians are big people, so they're going to make big Hawaiian shirts. So, so Al, have yeah. you have you always been a big guy or, or when did this start? Uh, I haven't always been a big guy. I mean, I've always been bigger than most of my friends, but uh, I'm me too, six, me too, but I'm six way. foot tall. So I'm okay. six foot and currently I'm like 270. So I'm six foot 270, but I've always been six foot tall. Uh, I've always, like I said, I've always been bigger than everybody. I wrestled. Uh, I was in football. I played basketball. Uh, I was obviously, I was in the Marine Corps. So I was always in good shape, always, uh, you know, taking care of myself. So again, most of my friends were either short or skinny. 
So just naturally, everybody called me Big Al. So gotcha. it wasn't a name I gave myself. I, they gave it to me. So All right. So mm-hmm. you, you, how are you saying you wrestled? What, what uh, weight class were you in? Uh, at wrestling, I was at 160. Now, oh, that's a real weight. I was at 103. If that gives you any inkling about the I weight. always notice uh, a lot of my Marine buddies, they'll say, you know, they'll, they'll be, I'm a big guy. I'm like 350, 360. You know, I'm, I'm about 6'1. So I remember meeting you out. I, I'm, you're big Al, but I'm big ass Ty. So you're bigger um, than I am. That is, yes, true. sir. So, um, like when you when you served, like how how big were you when you first came in? Because all my Marine friends say, you know, I'm 250 now, but when I went in, I was 130 pounds in the Marine Corps. Well, I'm the opposite. When I went in, when I went in, I was uh, 200 pounds. I was 200 pounds, and uh, I went to boot camp. And when I got out of boot camp, I was 140. Oh wow! I lost 60 pounds in boot camp. Oh, Holy yeah. cow! Oh yeah, that's you crazy. Was, you right? were sarcastic in boot camp. They I lost 20, 20 pounds a month in the Marine yeah. Corps. That's because wow. uh, that's probably because you had to have the last word. You said some funny shit in boot camp. <laughs> they're like, okay, we know what to do with your ass. Yeah, yeah. smarter, sure. strong. You're gonna be smarter, yeah. strong. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, but I Absolutely. wasn't, you know, as big as two hundred pounds sounds. I mean, it's really not that big. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? No. And so going in at two hundred pounds, coming out at one hundred and forty, it didn't look right. Like uh, yeah. I remember, my mom saw me. You got AIDS? Are you dying? She saw me. She was just like, she started crying because it just, it looked weird. And I I never want to be under 200 pounds again. (laughs) It is not a good look for this big frame. It is not a good look. (laughs) I did. I look like I just, I mean, I'm from San Francisco. So like, uh, yeah, I look like I was part of that thing going on back around that time. Wow. Did you you join, did you join right out of high school? Uh, I did a... I did a, a one year of college, so I went in and actually went in in '93. Yep. So I did a I did one year of college, and then I started another year, and then I was like, you know what, I'm done. This stuff is expensive, and uh, I tell them my joke. I was like, most people go, hey, I joined because I was patriotic. I wanted to go to war. I wanted to serve my country. I was like, I'm broke. I need money, yeah, <laughs> and I want to go to college. So yeah, I. Heard, I- yeah, I heard they had a college fund, you know, for uh, military folks, and I was like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, uh, I'm gonna do some years in the Marine Corps and get my college money." So I did it for education. Shit, I did it because I wrestled in high school and I liked the way it felt when I hugged up on dudes. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, "Fuck yeah, the Navy's for me, bro! I get to, oh my, I could do this without having to wear this singlet." Sign oh. me. Where do I sign? Where do I sign? <laughs> well, that was that was my initial reasoning for going. It was. I needed the college money. My parents didn't have the cash for it. And then secondly, my father was a Marine. So, uh, you know, every son wants to have their father's respect. So they always try to follow in their footsteps in one matter or another. So uh, one, of the reason, one of the other reasons I signed up for the Marine Corps was because this is what my father did. So uh, mm. I followed his footsteps, became a Marine. He said I couldn't do it. He said I wasn't <laughs> built for it. And uh, you want to prove him wrong. wrong. Right. And uh, it was always that, you know, we all have motivation when we're out there doing shit. And uh, the motivation was always my dad going, you'll never make it. You'll never graduate. And uh, I ended up doing it. And the son of a bitch never showed up to my graduation. Oh. So, hey, <laughs> hey, we're in the same club. He didn't want to eat his own nope. words. Yeah, right? He didn't want to so, eat it. Son of a I've, bitch. I, I faked like I was sick in boot camp out because I was like, nobody came to see me graduate. I was like, I'm not fucking standing here for three hours with these motherfuckers. I was like, you know what? <laughs> hey, I feel like I'm going to pass out. They literally stuck me in a back room, gave me some Kool-Aid. 
And I sat there the whole time. And when boot camp graduation over, I marched out like I had done some shit. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fucking good. It was wow. crazy because, uh, you know, I grew up with a, uh, a Vietnam era Marine, you know, he was uh, a <laughs> Vietnam Marine Corps. He was from Texas. He was he grew up on a ranch. You know, he was very he was the most stereotypical, you know, macho, you know, 70s yeah. guy as possible. You know, he grew up in the 70s and 80s. He was as macho as you can get. You know, he had the full Latino machismo, the Texas machismo, mm-hmm. the fucking Marine Corps, you know. So when he walked in an office, he could get five people pregnant just by that look, right? Just, just that look, yeah. 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 Was your, was your, was I your, love was it. Your, was your pops one of the one of the Hispanics wore the belt buckles and the boots and shit? No, actually, he no? wasn't. He was. I mean, he was a proud Texan, but uh, yeah, he wasn't about all that. He didn't live. He it was that wasn't his life. He was. Uh, he was more of a. He was hip. He was very hip. Yeah. Ladies I'm man. A, he was yeah. a ladies man. That guy. That guy. I, I got to tell you, man. I wish I had my father's looks. Like I'm. I'm not an ugly man. But my father, dude, that guy was like the Latino. Uh, well, I say yeah. that. Rico. I was going to say the, the Latino Suave. Charlie Sheen, but okay. technically Charlie Sheen is Latino. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. His last name is Estevez. Estevez, correct. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, I, I, think, I, I think you're good looking out. I'd hit it. <laughs> We're not yeah, I mean, I fell in love with you the first time I met you, Big Al. I'd smash. I mean, fuck. On deployment, six months in, bro. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I did realize though something that that night, Big Al. A lot of your uh, a lot of your comedy seems to come from things that you've experienced. So I, I grew up. My my father was a Marine. He was a Vietnam uh, era Marine. So it seems like a lot of the same BA Marine stuff. You had a lot of those same staples. So kind of where where did your comedy really come from? Was it from your dad because he was so hip, or where did it start? You know, uh, so that's that's the thing. So like, uh, it just we needed to have a sense of humor around my father. He was, you know, as a lot of as we know about Vietnam veterans, they didn't have it easy. They had a hard time when they came back. Uh, it, it was rough same. for them, right? And so, you know, my dad was uh, he had a lot of Vietnam angst, and so uh, it was important for him to always be happy and laughing. So it was kind of our duty to make sure our dad was not angry. So right. we always we always try to make him laugh, and uh, one of the things, one of the difference between him and my grandfather, my grandfather was a World War II veteran, and uh, when he came back, he got all the accolades. You know what I mean? And so my grandfather was the opposite, where he was like, you know, he stared at death almost every single day, mm-hmm. and so the way he took life after that was everything was just, just let it roll off your shoulder. Life is too short. So my mm-hmm. grandfather was actually the Joker in the family. He was wow. the one who was always making jokes. He was the, always the one that was being lighthearted. And it was everybody else in the family that was stiff and that was always so serious. And yeah. it was always my grandmother was like, Cállese Rove, you know, <laughs> he, was always, he was always joking. And my grandmother hated it because he was like a Bible thumper. And then uh, my dad would, you know, I would see my dad laugh and my grandfather made a joke. And we all wanted that. So we were always trying to make my dad laugh. And, and we always wanted to be just like my grandfather. And uh, that's kind of how it happened. And uh I became a fan of comedy early on because my parents were fans and uh, I carried that throughout my life. When I was in the Marine Corps, I got to tell you, man, everything was funny. Yeah. I mean, everything was funny. Yeah. I mean, I remember my dad was like, when I was younger, he goes, you think everything's funny? I'm like, yeah, everything is funny. It's, a, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Everything my is humor and everything. Yeah. Hello, like, you'll, you'll never make it in the Marine Corps because it's not funny. And then I got there and it was the same thing. What are you laughing about, Gonzalez? I go, well, Kind of, this is silly. <laughs> How long were you in, Big Al? How long did you serve? Uh, I went, I 
I uh, signed up in 92, went in in 93, and then I got out in 99. Oh, okay. So um, you, got, you got out, I got it, I came in in 2000, so we just right behind each other, right? Yeah, man. So I, I was in between, so I got in just at the butt end of, uh, of uh, the Gulf, the first Gulf, the Desert yep. Storm, and then I got out right before uh, 2001 yeah. for the where, tower. Where, where'd all you serve? Where'd all, where'd all, where'd uh, you I, served, I served in the States. We're at a Pendleton. Were you a West Coast or East Coast guy? West West Coast. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went to boot camp in uh, Camp Pendleton. Yep. And then uh, I was stationed in San Jose, <laughs> California. I was uh, logistics. So if you don't know what that is, I was uh, 04. Yep. Uh, we were Red Patchers. Yep. So uh, one of the smallest units in the Marine Corps. And the only ones that are allowed to modify the uniform. So a lot of people don't know that. Marines aren't allowed to modify their uniform. Every Marine is, is the same. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no difference like the other, other uh, branches where they have special, uh, you know, caps and covers and little ribbons and this and that. Marines all have the same uniform, but we were the only ones that were allowed to do it. And so on our cover, we had a red square right, right on our forehead and then two red, two red patches on, on the pants. side of our knee. Right, yeah. on our, the side yeah. of our knees. Yeah, I That's remember. Like, I don't know who thought that that was smart. To put a fucking target. Target, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shoot, shoot me there or here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. right. Vulnerable Hit part that of a soldier, right? Right. Because <laughs> we were the like, only- like, literally, we're the first ones. In. We're, we're like, literally, the first ones in. Because yep. we got to set up the beaches. Yep. We got to put up the MOMAT. We got to put up the flags. We get mm-hmm. all the supplies. And the red patches are there so to identify that we're the ones in charge of, of supply. You know, getting everything in distribution. So it's like, <laughs> when we come in, the enemy says, "Hey, look, man." <laughs> They're yeah, very yeah. nice of them to yep. put a to put Hit a target on themselves. When I came in, uh, Al, when I came in, they they were still ha- they still had the red patches in two thousand because I came into I was in the CB, so you know I was, right. You guys, we go. We in worked. With yeah, we worked. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, and I thought it was so cool. Like you know, these guys get little red thing. What's man? How do I get some? And then you know, years later, I, I I earned my blood stripes in Iraq, so it was yeah. the worst experience of my fucking life. And, 42 Marines lined me up and just kicked me in my fucking legs and thighs. I didn't like those red patch bastards after that. <laughs> Dude, I got to tell you, man. I mean, yeah, we, we, uh, we had a rough job. People think, Oh, okay. They're in the back, but you know what, dude, we had, I mean, shipping, receiving distribution, mm-hmm. supply, taking care of all of that. That is hard work, dude. Yep. I mean, I we, was we did, yeah, we did, uh, we did helo drops, helo pickups. Yep. We, uh, Loaded all the birds. Uh, we did uh, jump. You know, we had we had parachuters. Uh, we did convoys. We loaded the trains, unloaded the trains, the ships. We did those uh, big at at looking things. You know, that pick up the connex boxes, mm-hmm. put them in the ship. Like we did all of that, and we were constantly working. <laughs> like, dude, like, there was no there was no chill for us. So that shit wasn't funny. Like no. you absolutely yes, positively have to get a war. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, it's like that Federal Express co- commercial when you absolutely positively got to get a war started in three right. days or less. Call call us. <laughs> First piece important. Yeah. So did you did you? Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Scott. No, I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Al. Now, so after after your service, what did you do as soon as you, when you got out? What was your first? Uh, did you walk? Did you start doing comedy immediately, or did you kind of just you had a couple jobs here and there and decided, fuck it, this is not for me? Uh, so first, first job I got was, uh, was doing, uh, the first job I got was, uh, as, uh, I don't even know what I did. I was in, I worked for Carl's Jr. Yeah. Wow. Was the, a nice, the California Hardys, baby. I yeah, know dude. I, was, I, I worked at Carl's Jr. Because, uh, 
the problem was I was going to school. I was using my GI Bill. And I was going to school during the day, and I needed a job to support myself. So I, at night, I did the night shift at Carl's Jr. And uh, we used to have to wear a cover. And I was so tired of wearing a cover, uh, you know, as part of my uniform in the, in the Marine Corps, that it was just like, it pissed me off. And I didn't want to wear one. And they're like, why don't you wear one? I go, I got no hair. Because I was, I was in the reserves at that point, And I was like, I don't want to wear the hat. And they just kept getting mad at me. I said, you know what? I'm quitting. I quit over mm. a hat. Wow. Hell yeah. I didn't want to wear the hat. That takes that's, cojones, bro. That's good. Yeah. I told him straight up. I said, I will wear, like, it wasn't my job performance. It was just because I didn't want to wear the hat. Yeah. I was done, yeah. dude. I was done wearing covers, you know? It's like, unless, unless it's for when I'm, you know, in uniform standing, you know, standing in the ranks, I'm not wearing a hat. So yeah. it's like, I'm growing my hair out and I'm going to let it be. And so I didn't want to yeah. wear a hat. And because I got an odd shaped head, I got an oval head. <laughs> yeah. I've got, got hair in me. I'm sure like, Ty does. Yeah, I, look, I have a head that looks like I should be on Easter Island. <laughs> <laughs> I've got hair envy of you. I was like, that's bullshit. So tell, yeah. me, so tell me this, Al. So when did, when did you know that you were funny? Was it one of those things where like you, you stood in front of your family and performed and, and, and did things? Or did you just say, you know what? I'm just going to go for it, hit the stage, and try it out. How did it, how did it come about to where you went from being in the Marines to where you're standing on the stage making people laugh like you do? So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. I am not funny. No, you no, you're funny, man. No, I you mean are like, funny. Fucking liar. Like, what I'm saying is like <laughs> I didn't grow up being funny. Oh, got you, got you. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't something that was part of me. I was very serious. Again, I grew up in a very serious, you know, household. Yeah. You know, like I said, my dad was always on. We had to walk on eggshells. So like we were, we had a very serious life. But what I learned how to do is I learned how to make quick-witted jokes, just like a quick. Like smart ass, quick witted shit. Right. That was like right. that was kind of my thing. So I was a reader. So I always like I always said something quick witted and 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 smart ass. And right. so that was kind of that was kind of my thing. And even in boot camp and, and in the Marine in the Marine Corps, I always had something smart ass to say. And so mm -hmm. uh, I, I didn't earn a lot of a lot a lot of uh, <laughs> you know I pissed off a lot of people <laughs> say. Yeah, yeah. You lost a lot of weight when you was in boot camp. We knew what happened oh, yeah. when you got there. I did that last word. Yeah. I did a lot of pushing of dirt. <laughs> uh, but man, it was just like, for me, I always liked getting the last word. And uh, it was fun to me. And I, mostly I liked writing. And, uh, and I, liked, uh, I liked doing theatrical stuff. So I was like, I was always doing plays and stuff. It was fun for me. It was fun being a character. And that's how I always felt in the Marine Corps was, I'm just playing a role. Right. And some people don't, some people are like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, well, it made sense to me. Right. Because, you know, it's like, I had just watched uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. And it was like, that was, that was so hardcore, right? Right. And it was like, and I remember my dad going, eh, they're, they're going to be in your face. They're going to punch you. They're going to hit you. And I watched Full Metal Jacket. I was like, oh, God, that's going to be rough. Then I got there and I was like, they were nothing like that. Not to right. say that it was easy street, but it was nothing like when my dad was in, in Vietnam. Like they were a little bit, more, they didn't lay hands on you. you know, yeah. You know. Right, right. Allegedly, right. <laughs> there was no blanket parties. Allegedly, uh, yeah. So you know, none of that technically happened. But you know, mostly it was just them yelling at you and stuff. And and I saw it. I was like, oh, they're just acting, man. And so I never took it personal. And I was like, you know, like I remember one of the the sergeants goes, I see right through you. And I was like, what? And he goes, you like. Like you just take like he saw that I wasn't taking it serious. And it was just like, well, no, man. I said, 
everything you guys are saying, like, it doesn't bother me because like my dad mm. was in the Marine Corps and my dad said way worse shit than you guys ever did. Right. And that guy's supposed to love me. I know you guys don't love me, so I don't take it personal. Mm. <laughs> so you know what I mean? So it was yeah, like, yeah. I never, I never took it personal. Gotcha. So I just like, I just would just sit there. I would just sit there and I'd laugh. And I'd always get yelled at. They'd go, you think it's funny? I'd go, yeah, it's fucking hilarious. And then they would make me push dirt, run around, you know, but it didn't matter to me. And it happened, at some point, even they couldn't stop laughing. Because, right, they couldn't break you. Yeah, because they knew they couldn't break me. And I right. just, it would just be funny to me. Gotcha. When did so, you? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get into comedy until like uh, college. Yeah, that's what I was gonna uh, ask. When did you? When did you transition into into what you do now? So college time frame. College. I started. I started writing. Started writing plays, one acts and stuff. Writing short stories. Then I got into journalism and I started writing. Uh, I I had my own. Uh, what do you call that? Column. I had my own column, and so I would write these little short columns about some of my experience. And so uh, I started with a story about when they send us chicken uh, out in the field and we were all expecting fried chicken, right? Because we'd been out there for so long. And then when they, when they did the, the helo drop, it was just crates full of uh, ice cold chicken. <laughs> and like everybody's like, well, that's not what we were expecting. And so nobody <laughs> want, most of the guys didn't want their chicken. And so, you know, it was me and a few other guys, you know, we, we grew up, we grew up, you know, the way we did you know where we grew up mexican or black you know where we're like we did barbecues and oh, shit, yeah drop know? me some chicken it's so, going down how yeah, are you all the street guys were like i don't want this and we we're like we'll take it so all the guys who grew up you know you know in, in ranches or barbecue towns and stuff we were like yeah we'll take them and so we took all the chickens and then we just dug a pit and put them in the pit and then you know everybody's like hey what's that smell it's like oh it's the chickens and everybody wanted their chickens yeah and so yeah. then we turned around and we just we just did trade outs you know for cigarettes or drinks or whatnot. Like prison. yeah so it's like prison, right? you know how you do it everybody trades out you know so we yeah. started trading out for our chickens and uh we ended up walking away walking away as kings so i i wrote an article about it and i paraphrased it and at the end i put you know sometimes when life gives you lemons you make lemonade or in our case when life hands you raw chicken, you cook it up and trade it out. <laughs> it's, like so like, it's like jalapeno cheese spread in the MREs. Right. Bro. You got, exactly. You got the jalapeno cheese spread, bro. You were the fucking man. And you say, hey, check this out. This is how this is about to happen right here, bro. This is how this is about to happen. I'm going to give you two wings and a drumstick. And I need them two boots right there. Yeah. Yeah, let me get two of them. Let me get two of them boots. Shine. Shine boots. <laughs> and uh, let, me, let me get one of them backpacks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> That's how you move them chickens, man. Bro, for exactly. some chicken moving. Yeah, and for some good a good thigh, bro. I, let I me get a couple. Let me get a couple Ooh, of bites. Yeah, them chicken breasts. <laughs> them chicken breasts is very costly. That's gonna nah, cost you. you. Give me a I'll give me a thigh. I might I might give you a dry tuggy, Scott. A thigh, bro. <laughs> I need some Vicodin. I need some Robitussin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Big Al, I got a question for you. Yeah, what's up? So, not to get too deep or or like philosophical or anything, but you said you were a writer. I, I could peg that about you. Um, do you? Do you do you find that a lot of your comedy comes from a lot of the uh, like life experiences, uh, serious and life experiences that you've gone through? Do you feel that makes you a better comic? Yeah, dude. I mean, the, the the one thing about me is I started late. I started comedy late. Most guys start when they're in their teens and their early twenties. And uh, I was in the military and I was going to college in, in those years, so I didn't start comedy until I was like twenty eight. 
Mm. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, it was like 28 or 30. I can't remember. Something like that. But uh, I started late. Uh, I loved, I loved comedy. I would go to, I would go to comedy clubs. My buddy wanted to be a comic and I used to go with him to the clubs and, and we, we used to meet all the comics and hang out. We became friends with a lot of people. And then, uh, I remember, uh, nine, nine happened and I was working downtown San Francisco. And, uh, I remember driving to work. I didn't know it had happened. I just, I was running late and I got in my car and I was driving, driving to San Francisco and I realized I got to Oakland, which is across the bridge from San Francisco. And I was like, shit, man, I got here quick. And I started looking around. I was like, where is everybody? There's nobody on the road. Then I started looking around. I'm just like, what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. people are in their cars. They're crying. Their faces are white. People looked all freaked out. And for a, for a brief second, I'm like, okay, well, wait a second. What day is today? And I'm like, well, it's not Monday. It was Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I remember specifically it was Tuesday. And I was like, well, it's Tuesday, so it's not a holiday. I was like, this is bizarre. And I'm like, the first thing I thought, I swear to God, the first thing that went through my mind was, we got invaded by aliens. <laughs> like, I just total Independence Day moment. I'm just like, we got right. invaded by aliens. It happened finally, right? Yeah. And then uh, I turned on my radio, and it was on Howard Stern, and Howard Stern's talking about the powers. I'm like, what is he talking about? Right? And because it was Howard Stern, I didn't believe him. So I turned it to NPR and I was like, oh, crap, this is real. And mm-hmm. the NPR was boring. So I went back to Howard Stern and that was like real. And I was listening wow. to him describe it and talk about it. People were calling in. Then I finally got to the bridge and I saw the soldiers on the bridge and, you know, the Humvees were there and, and they had their M16s out. And I'm just like, wow, this is serious. Yeah, it's a real I just, deal. I just, I just remember the eeriness of the sky being empty. There was no noise. It was quiet. There was no cloud. I mean, it's just like the, the most perfect day, but it just had an mm-hmm. eerie feeling. And I got mm-hmm. across the bridge in no time, parked right downtown in front of the building I was working at. I was selling copiers and printers downtown <clears throat> for dot coms. And I remember seeing the towers fall once I got into the office. And that changed my life. I was mm-hmm. like, life's too short, man. I was like, I can work in an office. I can be a restaurant manager. I can do any of these little you know, nine to five jobs, any time in my life, I said, but I can never achieve the thing, the dream I wanted. And I always wanted to be on stage. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something different. I need something to uplift my life. So I said, I'm going to get in, I'm going to look into comedy. And I did. I started looking into it. And as I was searching on the internet, I found a friend of mine from grade school. He was doing comedy. And so I emailed this guy and I go, hey, is this uh, Philip Watson from from Our Lady of the Rosary back back in the old days. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, is this Big Al? And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, are you doing comedy? He goes, yeah, come and check out one of my shows. And I did. And I was like, this guy was the class cut up when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And he became a comedy, a comic. Yeah. And I was like, if this guy can do it, I you can, can do it. it. Absolutely. So I started going. I started hitting the open mics. And it didn't work for me. So I got into improv and I started taking improv classes. Uh, then I took a stand-up class, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stick with improv. So I, I started doing improv for a while, and I was really good at it. My, uh, I joined an improv troupe. We won uh, Best of the Bay in 2002, and I kept doing it. And then right around 2005, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try comedy again. And I did, and I loved it, and I haven't turned back since. Yeah. I can tell you like it, man. I can tell you love it. Oh, and I it, love it, man. And, it, and it, you know, it's, it's crazy how things happen to make you realize 
what your passion is in life. I'm glad that you oh, found yeah. that, you know, because it, like you say, life is really short. Things happen so fast. One day you're here, one day you're not. And to live life and not do the things that you want to do is, is a total loss. So shouts out to you, man, for, you know what I'm saying? Finding what you wanted to do and do it, man. And you say that you're not funny, but you really are. But I have a question for you before. I don't mean go. I'm not funny. I know I'm funny. You're, yeah, I mean, you're funny. It's, it's not. It wasn't natural. Right. It, like it, I, had it wasn't, to, I had to learn. Gotcha. Gotcha. And there's two types of funny people. There's the funny people that are just naturally always on. And then there's guys like me who have to turn it on. Right. You know, who have to who have to put a lot of work in, who have right. to write, have to work it out. So that's me. Yeah. Are there's, there's the funny like Al. That's like it's a different kind of Bro, funny. But it's it's like, did, I like wife, men type funny. Yeah. Yeah. My wife is like, I wish you would fucking stop. Like, <laughs> like you, if you live with me, my wife's like, I, I when I first met you, I thought it. That was like one of your attributes because, you know, you small penis, not very good looking, <laughs> but you're a funny guy. You know, you got a good personality, right? Bro, now she's like, I wish I wish you fucking stop. Like, yeah, bitch, that's you, funny. You married me twice, so you must, there must be something you like, right? <laughs> yep. So that's true. So, uh, are you at a show now? You're, you're about to perform today, aren't you? No, no, I already I already uh, went up. So okay. I have I have somebody else running running it for me. Normally I host it. Yeah. Uh, it's a little It's a little <laughs> side gig I do. Uh, as you know, uh, you know, in any business, you know, you got to keep a, a steady revenue stream. And this yeah. is one of the, I run the show at Tank's Pizza down in uh, San Antonio. Okay. And uh, they pay me a little bit of money to come out and host it. So I host the overall night, but I get other people to get up there and work the mic while I'm doing other stuff. There you go. So uh, it's kind of a workout room so I can try out my new jokes and stuff. Okay. So, you know, you got to constantly work on your uh, craft. You know, just like anything in life, you got to constantly work, work, work at it. Just yeah. like you guys weren't always good podcasters. You know, you had to start. I'm still, like, <laughs> still, not, still no good. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still not, you know. Tell a windy in here, man. I got yeah. long. I'm not used to, uh, I'm still getting used to long hair, man. It's all good. So tell me this. <laughs> tell me this. Who are your top five comics of all time? Of all time? Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot easier than who's my favorite comic now. Uh, all time, I got to tell you. Uh, I love Dave Chappelle. He's probably my, my favorite out okay. of all of them. Uh, just because I've seen him more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen him probably a few dozen times. And uh, also, uh, I have a great story about Dave Chappelle. So I used, to, I used to work at the comedy club in San Francisco. And when he came back from South Africa, he uh, came back to the comedy club I worked at, Punchline Comedy Club. Mm -hmm. He talks about it in one of his specials when, yeah. he, talks, when he talks about the... Uh, transsexual friend he had yeah yeah so that was, her... you? No, that was you was... <laughs> oh, no, okay. no 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 uh, her name was daphne and unfortunately yeah. she she, she committed her. suicide she committed right. suicide but he met her in san francisco at the punchline and that was the club i worked at and so i worked the door and i was there at every show that he did when he came mm. back and so i saw him work out bits that ended up in his special you know 10 15 years later and uh, it was like a it was like a masterclass in stand up right. to watch to watch how he did things and mm. see how he uh, you know how he took a, a joke and, and took it from here to there you know right right and uh, dude it was amazing and I got to talk to him you know on multiple occasions and uh, I remember when I moved to L A uh, years later and I was at the at the uh, comedy store and he was uh, he was doing a private show in the belly room which is a small room. It's about 100 people you can fit in there. And uh, I was sitting up front, and uh, he was like, uh, I need a cigarette. 
And I looked to my left and there was a pack of cigarettes on the table, which were obviously the guys next to me. So yeah. I literally grabbed their <laughs> cigarettes and I offered Chappelle some other dude's cigarettes. <laughs> Did he take it? Yeah, he took it. He's like, oh, wow. hey. he goes, he's like, thank you, man. And, yeah. he look, and then he paused and he looked at me and he goes, hey, I know you. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, where do I know you from? I said, San Francisco. He goes, San Francisco. I said, yeah, the punchline. He goes, oh, yeah. I said, he said, well, you a comic? I go, no, I worked there. I worked at the door. And he goes, oh, yeah. And so we started talking. And he goes, sorry, sorry, folks. He goes, uh, it's an old friend of mine, somebody I, I, I know from San Francisco. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Right? So he, like, paused. And he goes, uh, what was your name again? I said, Big Al. He goes, well, cool, Big Al. He's just like, what you doing out here? I'm like, uh, I'm doing stand-up. And he goes, stand-up? And he goes, I didn't know you were a stand-up comic. I go, I know, Dave. We never talked about that. <laughs> and he's like, fair enough. He's That's saying, a good one. And he's like, how's yeah. it going? And I'm going, Dave, it's L.A. You know how it is. Yeah. And he goes, fair enough. And he goes, well, I'd love to catch up with you. He says, but as you can see, I'm doing a show. <laughs> yeah. So, That's so he goes, awesome, right? man. I got to get back to my audience. And look at the audience. <laughs> and he goes, hey, guys, uh, if you ever see Big Al out there, go, uh, go, go pop in and watch him. He's a funny guy, real nice guy. And he goes, go check him out. And he goes, all right, big Al, I got to get back to my show. And well, DJ, you got to hit him with one for that one. It was great, man. That's an amazing That's a story. Major one. That's major, man. It was a good time, man. I was just like, I couldn't believe that. Yeah. You know, he gave me the time of day, you know, and he right, remembered Right, me. right, right. So. That's I would have gotten around to asking you about this. I wanted to ask you questions yeah. like that because yeah, I know yeah. you were on um, tour with uh, uh, Mr. Yeah. Trevino. Yeah. Uh, I know the I Speak Wife thing. That shit's hilarious. Very I mean, funny. So I was going to ask you about like who you've been around and things like that, but good Lord, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. He's All my right. favorite, but, uh, I, I, uh, worked with and met Robin Williams many times before he passed away. Right. Uh, he lived in, he lived in the Bay area. So he would pop into the comedy clubs a lot. And so working at the comedy clubs, he would, he would often pop in, you know, to check out some of the comics he's heard about. And, uh, you know, I, I would sit him on the side, I'd get him his coffee and he just chill out and watch. And uh, I remember one time uh, he popped in to watch Andy Dick. And uh, Andy Dick is a mess. <laughs> if you know anything yeah. about Andy Dick. Yeah, you have to have it with a name like that. You have to be a mess. <laughs> he's a complete mess. So anyways, uh, his set's going horrible. There's like maybe 100 people in the audience. And uh, I walk Robin Williams in. And he's sitting on the side. And uh, Andy Dick, is, he's, wearing, he's doing like this Christina Aguilera character. Uh, I forgot it was Daphne. I think that was the name of the character. And uh, at some point, he pulled his balls out. And he's, <laughs> he's walking around in this short dress with his balls hanging out. And the crowd just <laughs> is not having it. And uh, the only person laughing is uh, Robin Williams. And Robin Williams has such a distinct laugh. Right, right. You've, been, you've watched him since Mork and Mindy, so you know his right, laugh. Right, you know, yeah. So the minute he laughs, the whole crowd, you can hear a collected gasp. Everybody's like, mm. <gasps> And everybody turns to where the laughter is coming from, and they all realize Robin Williams is in the audience. Wow! So now, as Robin's laughing, the whole crowd everybody's laughing. laughing. Right. So Andy's so oblivious, he has no clue what's going on. He thinks they're laughing at him, so he perks up. He starts prancing around the stage, and he finishes off his set. Then uh, he gets off stage, goes upstairs. Robin walks upstairs, and he talks to him, and then he comes down and he leaves. And then I walk up after walking Robin out and then I go upstairs to talk to Andy and Andy's crying. He's losing it. And he's wow. so, he's so embarrassed that Robin Williams saw, saw him literally eat it. 
Oh, really? And, and he's like, he calls me over to console him. He's like, Big Al, come over here. Go hold me. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I have to come up to Andy, and he literally throws his arms around my shoulder, and he puts his face in my shoulder, and he's just crying. And I'm just like, ugh. And I'm having to, I'm having to pat him on the back. And I'm just like, it's going to be okay, Andy. He goes, am I funny? I'm like, you're funny, Andy. You're hilarious. Everybody loves you. And he goes, tell me I'm funny. And I'm just like, oh, you're funny. So very fun, interesting moments like that. Yeah. Tell me I'm pretty the moment. Yeah. Tell me I'm pretty, big Al. <laughs> and that, that's, uh, I can actually see Andy Dick doing that. That's, that's crazy. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah, I was in L.A. one time, Big Al, and uh, I met, uh, not Robin Williams, I met Rod Stewart, and he shot me a fucking bird. Like, that was my whole interaction in L.A. I'm like, oh, you're Rod Stewart. He was like, fuck you. I was like, thank you, Rod. (laughs) That's funny. But, yeah, I mean, that's the great thing is we get to work with a lot of amazing people, and we get to, you know, hobnob with a lot of amazing people. Like, I've I've worked with Kevin Pollack. I worked with, uh, uh, God rest his soul, Charlie Murphy. Uh, I've worked with uh, Pops Witherspoon. Mm. I've worked with, uh, I mean, you name it, I've worked with them. Uh, it's like I- Kevin Pollack was one of my favorite, most favorite uh, comedians when I was a teenager. Uh, oh, he was great. And I loved him in uh, The Usual Suspects. So do you do voices as well? Or For me? Yeah, is that part of your act at all, voices? Uh, I'm, I'm not really a... I'm not sorry, guys. I'm, I'm looking around because yeah, I'm yeah. a... I'm over here at the at the venue. There's a lot of people walking around and stuff, so I got a situation situational yeah, awareness. Yeah, situational yeah, awareness. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on the east side of town. If you right, know right, right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, if, if you get, if you get mugged live in this podcast, holy yeah. shit, bro! That's, that'll be funny. That'll be history. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, short story. Uh, Kevin Pollock is actually from San Jose, California, and I worked with him in San Jose. And because uh, that's where I grew up in, in the, 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 the Bay Area. And he started his career there. And his brother was a coach at San Jose State. So when we worked together, we did a private gig at the club for this big company. And uh, I got it was just me and him. It was a two man show. And I opened up for him. And then afterwards, I got to meet his brother, who was a coach at San Jose State. And they had one of the winning, winningest teams that year. So it was uh, pretty interesting, you know, to meet him and his family. Yeah. But again, I've I've worked with so many great people throughout the years. Uh Polly Shore, uh good lord. Uh again, Steve Trevino, I was on the road with him for again for many years. And again, working with him, that was like a master class as well. I mean, oh, yeah. that guy that guy's worked with everybody himself and he's been a headliner since like the early two thousands and yeah. and he was on the road with uh Carlos Mencia for a long time, him and Freddie Soto and uh uh, what's his name? Uh, why am I drawing a blank on him? Does all the sound effects. Pablo Francisco. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I learned a lot from Steve. I got to open for him on two his last two specials. And uh, I'm credited on his specials. So if you watch it till the end, you'll see my name yeah. in the credits. And on his first, his, uh, his first of those two was uh, the COVID special. And that's on Amazon. Yep. And I'm in the beginning. I'm in the beginning of it. Uh, okay. The second one, all I did was crowd warm up. I warmed up the crowd. Yeah, uh, it's a very specific thing. You warm them up so they're ready for the recording, right. so right. they understand what's going on. And uh, again, it was fun. You know, I got to be part of the uh, the process of of uh, making a special. I got to see how it worked. You know, how we put a set together. 
you know, and he wanted our input, you know, to see it, you know, he tested things out on us, asked us questions, you know, yeah. how, what we, so, you know, it was fun to be part of that process. Sort of, sort of the writer's room, if you want to say, you know, yeah. Yeah. he wrote, he wrote everything. He just wanted our feedback on it and, you know, help him yeah. to uh, make it the best it could be. And uh, we worked with a guy named, he worked with a guy named uh, Brian Hart, uh, who's a really hilarious guy. Uh, he used to write for the kids in the hall and Jay Leno and the, and the Mencia show and many other shows. And he's a Where do you well fall on with, uh, with Mencia? Where did you fall on that? Did you fall out with, uh, him because of the alleged uh, stealing of jokes, or do you well, believe that he didn't steal jokes? I hate to put you on the spot, but I, I was a huge Carlos Mencia fan. So two twofold, man. I, I learned a lot of the backstory, so I understand what happened. I understand that it did happen, but there's also circumstances that were at play. Mm -hmm. uh, could he could he have done better? Yeah, sure, mm. sure he could have done better. Uh, he could have handled the situation so much Way more different. Diff right? Yeah. It ultimately, it's like, did he do something? Yeah. Were there reasons why he did it? Yes. But it's all, you know what I mean? When you, it's like I tell him my joke, you know, it, if you miss the basket, it's all about the rebound, right? Mm -hmm. It's how you rebound. And he didn't rebound very well. Right. And uh, he had an opportunity to save face and uh, come out on top. And he didn't. He didn't do that. Right. He didn't do that. And that's where, that's where it hurt. Uh, my, my biggest issue was, uh, he's not the only comic that stole. There was yeah. many comics that oh, yeah. were known for it. Uh, I mentioned a comic, uh, in our conversation, I'm not going to say who, yeah, yeah, yeah. but one of the comics I was talking about was notorious for doing that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that comic was known to pay people out for, because he did that. Oh. Uh, cause people would call him out yeah. and, uh, you know, bottom line was nobody ever called him out in public. Mm. You know what I mean? And there was other guys and nobody called them out. Yeah. And and so part of me is like I I feel like he was attacked because because of race on some level. Mm -hmm. and, and and I'm not saying if it was consciously done, maybe it was in, unconsciously done. Uh, part of it was probably, you know, personal beef between him and Rogan, mm -hmm. you know, that went back further than we understand. Right. And, uh, you know, in my head, I think ultimately it wasn't a good look for comedy. It didn't it didn't. It didn't help in some ways, but in other ways, I think it really, I think it opened up some doors in comedy and made things, sorry, it's pretty loud out here. No, you're good. Sorry, you're good. Yeah. You're good. But uh, on some levels, it hurt comedy, but on other levels, it, it helped comedy because it made people, it, it made them accountable. They had to be honest. Right. So yeah. we've, we've been, it was kind of around the same time that the uh, Michael Richards thing happened. Yep. And right. so, so bottom line was like, it really put comedy, stand-up comedy under a microscope. Mm -hmm. And because of that, comedy is now where it's at, where people like, they literally write news stories about our comedy sets now. Right, right. That's crazy, right? Right. It's like literally their whole news story, there'll, there'll be a news cycle about a comedy set. And it's mm -hmm. so, in my mind, that's like, not only is it ridiculous, but it's like, really? A news right. cycle about a comedy joke. A comedy set, like, right, these right. are comedy jokes. These jokes. They're just right. people. It's people giving their comedic opinion. It's satire. Right. It's exaggeration. It's you know some of it is opinion, but it's like it's not a news story. And right. and now everybody you know is trying to get that gotcha moment with comedians. Yeah. Well, speaking and, of new jokes and like 
new comedy jokes and and, and parodies of, of political stuff and everything. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the tour that you just came off of because I mean I, I actually I listened to Drew uh, or a, a combat veteran Drew Hernandez there um, probably since. 2017 when I got out and it, it, it was very therapeutic to be able to listen to that kind of comedy. So how did you hook up with him and do the, uh, come up with the friendly fire comedy tour? So, uh, that's, that's funny. So yeah. <laughs> so with Steve, with Steve, I, I knew Steve for, uh, for years, you know, from California. And then we both moved to Texas around the same time. He's from Texas. I wasn't. So yeah. I moved to Texas eight years ago from California and uh, that's how I started working with Steve. He, he saw that I was doing a lot of shows out here, so he knew me. And he goes, hey, man, what are you doing? You, you live here? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, let's start working together. So that happened. And then around 2021, uh, I got divorced, so I had to leave the uh, tour uh, to go handle my life. And then, uh, you know, it took, took about two years for me, about a year and a half to get my stuff together. And here we are in 2023. Uh, I started... In between that time, I was doing virtual reality comedy. And I know this is a long story, short, but uh, yeah. I no, I'm interested of- because of the open mic comedy thing that, that I'm talking about with our Al and you, of course. Right. So. so we started doing, uh, we created an open mic comedy club in uh, virtual reality. Not, not like this, but like VR. Right. Oh, wow. You know, with the, head, with the goggles and stuff. Like you're yeah, there, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. on the Oculus, right? Um, right, immersive virtual reality. Right. So we created a club in there, and, uh, dude, it took off. Mm. And uh, anyways, uh, we had a lot of fans that would come to our shows. And su- not surprisingly, there was a lot of veterans that came to our shows. You know, people who were stuck on base. You know, because during COVID, a lot of bases were locked down. Yep. So, you know, we didn't... Give me one second. Uh, do you guys take breaks or anything? Yeah, actually, come on back. We'll uh, we'll pay the bills real quick, and uh, right. when I see you back on screen, let, let me finish this in, in uh, after this break. All right, yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right, no problem. Appreciate you, big Al. Hey, key to go to commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's so cool, man. I'm sorry I let us get by there, but the the conversation was just so good. I just yeah. I love hearing about the fact that he's a veteran. The fact that, you know, a Marine veteran, like an actual somebody that deployed and or somebody that served for an amount of time, right. you know, uh, I, I love that. And just just the, the interaction that we've had with them and, and the support of it's just cool to see. I, I love it. So Absolutely. But anyway, let me let me pull these up real quick. <laughs> All right. First off, we're going to talk about. Royalty Entertainment. Royalty Entertainment is hosted by me, yours truly, DJ Royalty. I am the DJ from DJ Royalty Entertainment. Royalty Entertainment is your finest in DJ Entertainment. And whatever it is, any kind of DJ needs you have. If you have any kind of DJ need, an event that needs a good DJ, you want to cool out, have a good vibe, just hit me up. The website is www.godjroyalty.com. You can go on there and look at the packages, the price, and everything you need. But I do look forward to seeing you at your next event. So anytime that you need to have a good time or have a good party, go ahead and hit me up. I am DJ Royalty. <laughs> Absolutely. And got your six culture. Our friends, if you uh, have a branded T-shirt you need to get done for a veteran-owned business or, or a municipality, uh, just hit them up on their website. It's uh, gotyoursixculture.com or info at gotyoursixculture.com. And again, thanks. Uh, 
or congratulations to Matt on his 21st <laughs> anniversary. Absolutely. If you're looking to buy a home, it's 850. What are you doing, Matt? <laughs> Sleep. Sorry, buy, buddy. Is buy a home, lease a home, rent a home, sell a home. R&B Realty Group will help you in all those endeavors that you have in that. Please contact us at info at rnbrealty.com, number 409-420-6019, and someone will help you with any of your real estate needs. Yours truly, Renee Blake, Susie Ramoser, myself, Scott Royalty Blake. Hey, you have the option to work with any of us wonderful realtors to help you get that taken care of. So make sure you reach out. We're available. All right, coming up on the uh, 11th of September, we have the second annual uh, Got Your Six Culture Golf Scramble out at Willow Fork Country Club. Um, I'll put this out on social media, all my stuff for here in Houston, but if you want to fly in, hey, if you can hear my voice, come on, fly in to the uh, second annual 9-11 Golf Scramble. All the money raised for this goes to our guest from last week's um, the Project Zero, Kyle Schudick's organization. So all proceeds will go to that. All right. All right. That's the uh, Don't Mean Combat Van, Don't Mean Crazy. And let's see. What do we get? What else? We got Project Zero stuff coming up. And then this uh, PTSD Awareness Hike for Life is coming up on this Sunday. Uh, all right. We don't want to hit that right now. <laughs> that's Not a right sore right. subject with oh. me oh, <laughs> that's oh, a sore subject <laughs> yeah I, I don't understand what billboard was doing with that it made me so mad it's, all, it's just billboard man it's, I'm, it, I'm still screaming fuck jay-z <laughs> i mean i love jay-z and everything that's that's uh, people have their differences there but i'm just talking about some of the abnormalities where they had people like they had I'm pretty sure it was Black Thought or or somebody who was in my top five. Uh, they had them at like number fifty. I think I that's, like, that's and maybe they're basing it off of like top who's been on Billboard's mo, like top their list more times than anybody, right? I, I don't know. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, it's just, you, you even have my boy Ludacris on there. I don't think like that's just crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's who it was. It was way way down the list, but anyway, we're gonna see if we can get a. Uh, I think the they gal back. Get people wild up. That's all. They just want to get people wild up. They give you a list that's outrageous, so people can get outrageous and talk about it. If it was correct, then everybody be like, "Oh yeah, I agree with that." But you know, they got to make it crazy. Jay Z, <laughs> get out of here! <laughs> but I'm telling you, hey, Big Al, uh, when, or Al Hero, when you can get with Big Al and do this open mic uh, comedy podcast, that might be something fun. Oh, I'm sure. I'm fucking sure. <laughs> what uh, what uh? So so while we're waiting on Big Al, I just want to bash Matt Johnson a little bit longer. Like, what kind of dude can't take one hour out of his his married life on an anniversary? That shit's important. Since when? <laughs> Since when? I've got two anniversary dates. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think Big Al's ready to come on back on. All right, now we're going to welcome our uh, guest back, Big Al Gonzalez. Hey, as long as you guys can still see me. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Earlier I was about to say, hey, man, I, I could see that the, the dawn was coming in on you. The sun was going down on you as you were talking. And it was you were very romantic. Funny. I was yeah. getting excited. Yeah. I was, I it was, was like, very, that's sexy. It was, it was a very romantic moment we shared with you live on air. Like the sun just tri trickled down. I like, I like to set the mood. Right. <laughs> just glistening off your beautiful luscious locks just so elegantly. I like, I like to, you know, I like to uh, have like a nice exotic setting. <laughs> All right. So tell me, tell me uh, you were, you were, you're about to get okay. into the friendly fire. Yeah. So uh, we did, we did virtual reality uh, comedy and uh, that it's called failed to render. And uh, we do these shows in virtual reality. Anyways, we, we've been doing it for a while and we've got a nice strong fan base and a good portion of our fan base are military, uh, former military, you know, veterans and such. And uh, I actually, uh, after I got divorced, I, I met, a, I met a, a, somebody who was in the military at the time and uh, she was uh, stationed in Virginia and uh, they, uh, they were on lockdown. So like her coming to our shows was like her lifesaver. You know, she was able to engage with us and hang out virtually, and uh, we became friends. And then after I got divorced, we, you know, we dated for a little bit. And uh, I started to realize what an impact we had, you know, comics uh, to the military community. And uh, one of our other guests was this guy named Jason, who was stationed in Colorado. And uh, he would come to our shows, and he would sit up front in the virtual reality club. And uh, one day, he'd been following us for a while, and... Uh, I recently actually met him. I got to, he came out and uh, he went with me to Dallas and uh, he, he came to one of my shows that I headlined. And then uh, I met up with him in uh, El Paso and I hung out in that area and he went to another show I, I headlined. So we got to know each other and a real good dude, uh, also Marine. And uh, then uh, one day he, he tagged me on a post from uh, Drew, uh, a combat veteran. So he made a post in, in the Texas comedy page uh, looking for comics out here that were veterans. And I didn't see it. Uh, my buddy Jason, who's a fan of our virtual reality show, he tagged me on it. And uh, I was in Austin uh, doing the Mothership uh, Rogan's Club. And uh, I saw it and I was like, oh, crap. So I looked it up and uh, I contacted, uh, I emailed Drew and then he contacted me literally the same day. And we started talking and I didn't know who he was. I didn't know any of his videos. I was not familiar with it. And so it was like, to me, he was just some strange dude who wanted to do a comedy tour. And uh, he told me his story and everything. I was like, wow, this is very ambitious for a guy who's only been doing stand-up for a short time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like, he sounds sincere. And you look, if it works out, it'll be fun. If it doesn't work out, well, so what? So I took a chance on him. And he took a chance on me and Raul. And uh, he put us on the show. And we met him for the first time in El Paso. And the show sold out. We had 350 people out there. It was me, Raul, him, and this other gentleman. Uh, I believe his name was Matt. And he's out, of, uh, he's out of Arizona. And we did that show. And we all hit it off. And the show went well. Uh, I gave him a pep talk. I walked him through it. And his set went very well. And we were, we were all pleasantly shocked. We were mm -hmm. like, wow, this guy's actually funny. Right? Because you see so many social media, media influencers. Yeah, we do comedy for the first time, and they're terrible. They're yeah. awful. And this guy was actually funny, so we were we were pleasantly shocked. He lived up to everything he said. He made the show happen. He paid us exactly what he said he was going to pay us, 
he put us up uh, and, and then some, you know, he offered to take care of all our expenses. And we we're like, dude, you don't have to do that, man. It's yeah, all he's a good dude, man. I can yeah, tell. He was genuine. And from that point, we were like, this is going to be fun. You know, because yeah. a lot of times as entertainers, you know, people make promises to us and they don't deliver. And Drew delivered. And, yeah. and he was a man of his word. So everything he puts out, you know, uh, on his page, everything he talks about, it's true, man. He's, he's a man of, of, of truth. You know, the guy really, really means and stands for what he says. And, yeah. uh, you know, I got to know him over this uh, five, five show journey. And I watched him get better and better as every show went on. And the tour, the tour was amazing. I yeah. mean, you got a handful of veterans who never worked with each other on stage for the first time. And, you know, we're doing, a, uh, you know, he done he did mostly military jokes, whereas me and Raul did kind of a little bit of, you know, just personal mm -hmm. stuff and then a little bit of, you know, military jokes, you know. Did you did you get my add on joke that I sent to you about yeah, that? I got I, it. I am so sorry for doing that the first night I met you, but I was just that that joke was hilarious that Raul told. Do you no, know too big it's I very think funny. It, what you just said kind of it's funny you say like you know a bunch of veterans that never met each other but that's kind of a testament i would say to the military service as a whole like it's the only place i've ever been in my life where you meet a motherfucker on a, on a monday at work and on yeah. saturday you're having a barbecue at the house they're holding your kids sometimes you're sleeping with your wife just depends on what kind of situation you're <laughs> but for the most part i mean you got it it it, it, it does gel and it does work because you, you come from a common background right most of us you know, didn't have a silver spoon in our mouths, right? We came up no. and we joined the military and then you've got this, this true to life brotherhood, brotherhood. where, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like, I mean, me and Ty, I met Ty through this, through Matt Johnson, this podcast. And if he called me tomorrow, I'd strap up and put my Kevlar on and head to his house and we'd shut the fucking city down if we need to. Right. It's just yeah. kind of how we do things. It's, it's, it's awesome to hear you say that, you know, when, yeah. in your industry. Right. And, and even when you say, he does things, you know, he, he's a man of his word. That's, that's definitely a veteran. Thing, bro. Yeah, yeah. He's a man of his word. Cause I've throughout my life, I've over promised sexually and very under delivered. So <laughs> to hear that there's people out there that are actually delivering. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not I mean, Drew. Again, there's just like the camaraderie between us. Uh, like it, it just worked. And believe me, I've been on tour <laughs> with people and it doesn't always work. Yeah personalities and such but uh the, the three the three of us plus you know the the people that that came to each show we we had a different comedian join us on each leg of the show so i think that show was in uh that was you were at houston right spring branch yeah, yeah. right yeah. so that was the only show where we didn't have another comic mm. well that speaking of that show i felt like i mean I hate to always, I always, I'm very analytical, but as I went to the show, I was not expecting the show to be that awesome. I mean, I know Hector pretty well. I know all the stuff that he does with the VFW, but that venue looked amazing. The production was great. The sound, everything was wonderful. And then the way you came out and was hosting was great. But what I didn't expect was I expected Raul to be like a really good comic, but he was really funny. He was, but I, I was really impressed by Drew's stage presence. Not, not, not that I know what I'm talking about, but you could tell like as a, as a person that watches comedy, 
you can tell when somebody's funny and he had a good stage presence and that was very impressive too. So kudos to you if you helped with that. So thank you for helping him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he would call me from time to time and, and ask for, you know, some tips or advice. And, you know, I just told him, I would tell him a couple of things, but for the most part, he, he knew what he was doing. I mean, yeah. he's been doing these comedy videos for eight years, you know? Yeah. So he's, he's no stranger to comedy writing and he's no, oh, no, no doubt performance. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. and let's be honest, dude, you know, he was, he was blessed with, with good genes, you know, the guy's got yeah. perfect teeth. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, he I, brings yeah, the ladies so, out. You know, I'd hit it. You know, yeah, I'm, saying, you know I'm, sure, I'm sure you're like, I'm sure your ladies were just eager to come and meet him. That's why I left my wife at the house, bro. I was like, "Bitch, you ain't coming here because uh, we ain't going through this again." The the new Jody, Jody's still around, huh? We ain't doing this, right? Y'all brought mine. I don't have no problem that area, man. She just, we good. I've seen you naked, bro. I know you don't have no problem. (laughs) Hey, but but it's us light skinned brothers, bro. Like that, okay? I still pee on my balls sometimes. So, Big Al, tell us this, man. For the people who are watching, where can we find you? If somebody wants to look you up or find you or reach out to you and 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 kind of understand a little bit you, other than what we're able to bring out, because we just knew from interaction with you, man, you was a cool guy. And when we asked you to come on here, man, without hesitation, you was like, "Hey, man, I would love to do it." And and, and like you said, you're a man of your word as well, man. And we. We are honored to have you. We appreciate you coming, man. Like this is this is, I, w- I was excited to come, man. Just to, just to see you again, man, and, and get a chance to have you in here. But where could somebody who I appreciate that. might not know what you do or haven't seen you live? Where could they find you? Like, what do you have coming up? Where could we where could we track you up again? Well, let's let's start with uh, shows. Uh, this Saturday, I'm going to be headlining in uh, Kerrville, uh, which is just south uh, north of San Antonio. Okay. I'm about an hour outside of San Antonio, and I'm headlining Arcadia Live, which is a really beautiful old theater, uh, and that'll be at eight o'clock in Kerrville. Uh, so that's live. Um, I think, from what I understand, we may be, I may be rejoining the Friendly Fire tour in the fall. Now it hasn't been official, but uh, it looks like it's promising. So yeah, don't quote me on it. Don't spread the rumor, but gotcha. there's a possibility that it might start up again. And, and I hope it does, man, because uh, I had a blast and I enjoyed hosting. Uh, I headline across, across the country, and uh, I don't mind hosting for this because it's something yeah. I've done a long time. And I know the kind of energy that, that you need to bring for a show like this. And yeah. ultimately, they're, they're there to see Drew. Yeah. And I hope at some point they're there to see me, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For but sure. yeah, uh, other than that, you can go to the Friendly Fire uh, website for updates to see if it is going to happen. I believe it's friendlyfirecomedy.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, for me, my website's uh, being reworked right now, but once it's up, it's bigalgonzalez.com. It's still in, it's still being reworked. But for right now, just go to my uh, Instagram, which is the Big Al Gonzalez with an S at the end. And then okay. my Facebook is Big Al Gonzalez uh, at facebook.com. My man. Well, hey, again, I, I don't know if I speak for everybody, but I can't thank you enough, man, for coming out, being a guest on our podcast. It was amazing. Your stories are amazing. You're, man, you're a great dude. I appreciate your service. Thank you for your service and what you've done. Keep being funny. 
all that good well, stuff, man. And you definitely speak for all of us. I mean, I know Matt's not here, but he would he he would echo the same sentiment. Now he's being a bitch tonight because he's at his anniversary. <laughs> he's probably getting getting. <laughs> yep. Happy anniversary, Matt. Yeah, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, anniversary I, I hope you get everything I'm, you want. Yeah, I hope you're getting head, bro. That's the only, <laughs> the only reason you can't be on this show is if you're getting slow head and. I hope you are, <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, I'd love to come back in the future, maybe a shorter amount of time, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd, well, I'd hey. love to come back on a maybe a once a month regular, you know, get an update on things. Yeah, my my opinion on 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 some of the hot topics going on. Well, yeah, well, you know, we're we're up and coming. You know, what I'm saying we're we are we're getting this thing started. So spread the word, man, and I well, hope man. you enjoyed us. You know, what I'm saying I hope you enjoyed us on here. Uh, and, I'll come in, do five minutes of. Oh yeah, what's the, what's the big deal with Big Al? There you go. There you go. That sounds like a segment right there. We'll write that. We'll write that one in right now. What's the big deal with Big Al? I like it. Right. Good. I'm glad to be on the Triple Threat, uh, Triple Threat Vets, and you guys were great. Uh, it was a pleasure uh, getting to see you guys and and talk to you all again. You guys were very fun to hang out with uh, over in Spring Branch, and I hope to see you guys live again. For sure. And look, and I can't let you leave. No one comes on the show and can leave without this. Oh, I told him. I told him he's got to get on the hot seat. (laughs) You got in the hot seat real quick. What is your top five MCs of all time? Oh, man. It doesn't matter. I'm old old school, so I don't know a lot of the the young cats, but. uh, They don't even matter. So, yeah. yeah, Give us what you got. Give us what you got. the latest uh start off with Kanye. Mm-hmm. Uh let's see. Uh I like uh I like Q whoops, sorry. I like Q Tip. Okay. Oh I really nice. like Q Tip. Uh he was great. Uh Kanye. Uh really old school, Grandmaster Flash. There you go. Uh let's see. Um DMX. Uh, uh I actually got to him. He was really cool. Yeah. And uh, let me see. Last but like, yo, big out. You know what I mean? What's uh, the deal? <laughs> uh, they're, they're not an MC, but uh, they they had an impact on my life, and they had a big impact on rap in general. But it's three MCs, uh, the Beastie Boys. There you go. All right, give me something. Just give me just a little bit before you go. Give me any verse you want. Give me any four bars or something. Uh, let's see. What's your go-to? Come on. <laughs> get on my seat. And on I the coat checking, set a stage on the mic. <laughs> when you put <laughs> it on put wax, it's yes, a yeah. new style. Drop! Three and two and two one. And one. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, okay. Open, open, spread your butt cheeks. There you go. <laughs> there he is, my man, Big Al Gonzalez in the place to be, y'all. All right, fellas. Well, Appreciate I got to get you, going. Right. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. All right, BigAlGonzalez.com, not to be confused with BigAlGonzalez.com. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, man. Take care, Later, brother. brother. God bless, right. man. Be safe. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you very much. All right. We'll wrap it up. I-, I feel bad that Matt wasn't here, man. I think Matt I, had a good I time. I don't. <laughs> but as always, man, I love you guys. We're doing it again. We're still here. This is the Triple Threat Vet Podcast Show with your man, DJ Royalty. Up in the top, I see my man, Al Hero. You got his last word, Al Hero, for the people out there. You don't have your, you ain't got to conceal carry. My man, my man, Ty Cobb, what you got for us? 
He's out of here. Hootie hoo. And I am DJ Royalty. This is the Triple Threat Vet Podcast. Happy anniversary to my man, Matt J. 21 years in this thing. And y'all come back and see us again. I see my sister in the crowd. She said that's her DJ. Shouts out to my sister, Red Crystal Banks Thomas. You know what I mean? And anybody hey, else hey, who's out there, go ahead. Hey, what you say? Scott, real quick, I'm going to give yes, one sir. little shout out to uh, the Harris County uh, uh, Youth Little League team. They're in the Little League. They're, they're killing the Little League World Series right now. They smash it. They smash it. Some people out there. Shout out to Harris County and Harris County, Georgia, brother. For sure. They're doing, they're doing a thing. All right. And we're out. Until next week, y'all make sure you tune in. Triple Threats Vet Podcast. And we're out of here.